I spent most of a fishing trip uh, where we kept having to get up at like five in the morning because it's a fishing trip. Um, so I didn't get much sleep the whole time. And so every day on the boat, I would suggest that we just listen to Technotronic all day long so that we would be better <laughs> better at fishing and more alert. Uh, and no one wanted any part of it whatsoever. Tonight's going to be a I good night. I didn't have any of their music on any device that I had, so I didn't have a way for us to listen to it. But uh, I still, <laughs> well, you should I you should have just been there. You should have been there on the deck, just repeatedly pump up the jam. Pump. Right. I mean, the songs are pretty repetitive. Yeah. Um, it's not that. It was nineties dance uh, club music. Come on. I didn't. I didn't really have the energy to replace Technotronic um, <laughs> at the time. Also, didn't have the, the mental awareness to realize I could just sing the song and it would be the same. <laughs> Tonight's gonna be a stop no. it, Benjamin. No, please stop um, it. Don't ruin the podcast. We will disinvite Any you. Any Black Eyed Peas would ruin the podcast. Not just we this will, once, but forever. We will disinvite you from the tailgate on Saturday. All the listeners are invited. We're <laughs> both going to be there, Jason and I. Other writers from the site are going to be there. You will not be there. Or if you are, we will have security remove you if you continue on this dark course could, that you've set out. We I could, could have been like a separate table. Uh, a, shame, <laughs> a table of shame. Either that, or, yeah, or we should have someone bring a dunce cap that we can just put on Ben. So if you're a listener and you bring a dunce cap, um, you will be my hero on Saturday. We should just be playing the music that the awesome uh, uh, Mad Max guitar, flaming guitar player plays. I have yet to see Mad Max Fury Road. Well, you um, should, I also haven't seen it yet. I never need to time. see it. We're we're ending this podcast now, and you're all are going to whatever. I still wouldn't. I still wouldn't have time because I'd have to write about the uh, game that's tomorrow, and also the game that's Thursday and Friday, and the three on Saturday, and nope. uh, I believe DC plays a triple header on Sunday as well. Um, so <laughs> it's just no time. You know, it's just another May, and there's the US Open Cup. Oh, I know, I know. That's why it's a triple header on Sunday. There's like a billion a games that I want to pay attention to tomorrow alone. Hey, hey, welcome in to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We're all from blackandredunited.com, where you can find us writing about DC United and MLS at large, as well as other soccer-related things like the upcoming Women's World Cup. Uh, Tonight, we are talking about DC United's one-to-one draw against a nine-man New England revolution. Over the weekend, we're also previewing their next two games, uh, Wednesday night, which will be tonight by the time you're listening to this if you're an early listener or yesterday if you're or the day before yesterday if you're a later listener in the week. Uh, DC United will travel or is traveling or has traveled. Uh, tenses are difficult, aren't they? Uh, to Portland to play the Timbers. Uh, DCU after dark action there. Um, and then this coming weekend they will host the Philadelphia Union and all of us at the tailgate meetup we were telling you about before we officially started the show. So uh, be sure to come out and join us there. Before We'll have more details on that later in the show. Before that, though, Ben Bromley, humming demon that you are, what are you drinking? So I'm drinking a beer by the oldest Richmond microbrewery, Legend Brewing Company. Uh, it is called Z-Dam, and it's not a funny Germanism or anything. It is uh, There is a dam in the James River here in Richmond, Virginia, that is shaped like a Z, and hence it is called the uh, Z Dam. 
and they had to cut a channel into it to allow fish to swim back upstream and so on and so forth. And it's just being a river beer, it is a good, obviously it is a good summer beer. It is light. It is refreshing and it's good. All right. Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I have, I think I've had this on here once before. I have, um, go get something else. Uh, you went to the brewing of uh, Utah. I'm, I'm not going to listen to Ben. Um, they're Baba Black Lager. Um, it's uh, everything is. I guess their whole brewery is 100% organic. They make the word organic appears on the label about 60 times. That's a, a, a rough estimate. That's not a science. So what you're saying <laughs> is exactly it, it's it's Chris Rolfe's type of brewery is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, uh, it's in a mountainous place. That's apparently where he wants to go after he's done with the the whole soccer thing. Yeah, um, if someone wants to forward this episode to Chris Rolfe, let him know that maybe he should retire in Utah instead of Colorado. He could he could have organic beer just poured I mean, on top of him. Organic not, beer, not literally. Um, yeah, that's true. This is it's a pretty good uh, black lager. It's it's malty, but it's not too malty. It's um not not very heavy, despite being more of a sweeter sort of beer. So um, it's pretty good for this time of year, especially after dinner. It's kind of, it's kind of a I wouldn't go so far as to call it a dessert beer, but amongst summer beers, it's a dessert beer. It's nice that, Schwartz beer. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense, but you guys maybe don't. Maybe you get it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So luckily, I. As for me, luckily I started making my drink well in advance. It was helped that we started late tonight. Um, but I started making my, my drink a little early, poured some Tanqueray into a glass with some lime and some club soda that, as I poured it out, realized it was it had gone flat in the bottle. And so what I had is just um, gin and lime juice and water. And I, I said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be daring and I'm going to try this. And that was a mistake. So I had to pour, pour it out and find a new can of club soda because the bottles were all flat because I don't actually know how long they'd been in my fridge. <laughs> and so I opened a can of club soda and remade my Gen Ricky and it is delicious. Your efforts were rewarded. They were. They were. Yeah. My patience and my efforts were, were both rewarded. And thank God for that. Otherwise, I don't know what I would be doing. I would have had to cancel the show. Show's very flimsy these days, apparently. It is. When, uh, run the nice. Uh, let's get to the soccer now. DC United won 10, well, 9-man New England Revolution won. Charlie Davies scored late in the first half and stoppage time in the first half, in fact, for the Rebs. A uh, couple of red cards later, DC United has a two-man advantage. Still took them about 20 minutes of that advantage. Uh, to to convert and finally score the equalizer through Jairo Arrieta. Um, and then they couldn't find the go-ahead goal late on. Uh, let's, let's start this discussion with the red cards. They went to Chris Tierney first and then Lee Wen six minutes later. Tierney's was a straight red after raking Chris Pontius' knee on a needless challenge uh, with his studs. And Lee Wen got a second yellow. He got a first one in first half stoppage time, right after DC United kicked off following the Revs' goal. He just went in on uh, from behind on Davey Arno and then uh, threw an elbow on Davey, at Davey Arno uh, in the second half to get his second yellow. Um, the most foul ban in MLS history. 
Yeah, the most fouled man in MLS history, who apparently got under Lee Wynn's skin, because Wynn was out to injure him, it looked like. Um, but let's just talk about the Reds for a second, exactly one second, to say, of course they were red cards. There's no doubt if you look at the replay, both of them, both of those plays were worthy of Reds on their own. How Wynn got away with just getting a second yellow instead of a straight red, I don't know. Um, but th- those were both obvious red cards, and I will hear no disagreement on this point. I'm usually one to hear lots of disagreement, but I won't take it on this one. I, I will say that the way that the game was broadcasted, um, the camera feed didn't show the challenge uh, initially. and so you The tyranny challenge. Right, and so we just and, – and both both regions had the same feed, the same Comcast um, feed. So uh, I think what we, what we all saw on both ends was – there was something that happened, and then Geiger was going to the back pocket. And I think that might explain, or that might be why Revolution fans are trying to disagree with that red card. Um, but if you later in the later in the same broadcast, they showed the challenge. Um, and it well, was and in real time, uh, into a knee. yeah, the the New England broadcast crew, as soon as the replay was shown, right after the event. They both said, "Oh yeah, that's a clear red. That's there's no and, argument there." <laughs> and if you're if you're a Revolution fan listening to this, and you are uh, further to the extreme than the Revolution broadcast crew in terms of making things up to uh, suit the Revolution's cause, then you need to re-examine your your process on that because <laughs> those guys are pretty much as far to one side as it's going to get. They might as well, well broadcast in Revs jerseys. Also, if you're a Revolution fan, I apologize that you have to listen to Paul Mariner all the time. Um, I will say also our our friends at the Bent Musket uh, their writers have have said yeah it was a red card we don't have a lot of disagreement with the call they they do um, or at least I don't know if they've been doing it this year but they do a um, referee segment where they they have an actual referee who also writes for them and uh, sometimes uh, analyzes things from a referee's perspective and you know these are people that know what is and is not a red card, and yeah, I don't, think, I don't think this this was at all disputable uh, whatsoever. There's just there's no, no there's not no ground to stand on on this one. All right, so that was much longer than the one second I had allocated. Yeah, well, so we're going to be behind for the rest of the show. Hashtag filibuster. <laughs> all right, let's talk about the play Dr. on the Thor. field. Let's talk about the play on the field. Uh, which honestly wasn't great for either team, at least going forward. It was. Let's, let, it let's was, not let's not talk about the play on the. Yeah, field. actually, we can probably skip that. Either before or after the red card, neither team was really oh. able to move the ball that well. Uh, even United up two men, they they didn't move the ball around quickly enough. Um, only one shot on goal for United, just seven overall, despite half an hour of having a two man advantage. Um, which which also means in 180 minutes of soccer against the Union and the Revs, DC had one shot on goal. Yeah, which is get well soon, please get well soon, Fabi. Yeah. Get a spindle back on the field. Um, it what honestly what bothered me the most, uh, going back and watching over the game is the the team's reaction after Arietta's goal. Normally, when you're pushing for an equalizer and then you want to take the lead, you go and you grab the ball out of the net and you run back to the center circle. Not so much because it saves a lot of time, because it, it saves you know maybe 30 seconds of time, but more because it shows the urgency. And it, it's like 
and, and Donald's going to hit me for this at the tailgate, I think, but it's like the annoying Duke basketball player slapping the floor when they're back on defense. It, it psychs you up. It's a way to psych yourself up and put yourself in the zone to say, all right, we're, we're doing this right now. And instead, Arietta and Coria and, and Kemp go off and celebrate on the sideline rather than sprinting back and, and saying, let's go, let's do this, let's get the winner. And, and it was just that lack of urgency, which is weird because they weren't moving the ball fast enough. So it was a combination of trying to hurry too much and then also not having enough urgency at the same time. It's a weird combination. Ben, how did they pull that off? I mean, they were slow of thought all game, and they mm-hmm. were sl- slow of action all game, and so their odd celebration after that goal just fit in with all of that. Uh, the urgency just wasn't there the entire game, and just rewatching it, uh, I, I rewatched it both on the condensed version and on the full game version, and it on the condensed version especially, you could see that all of their actually uh, impactful attacks all came from Taylor Kemp. It was just a repeat of Taylor Kemp crossing the ball in and then something maybe or maybe not happening. And they just didn't have any other inventiveness without Chris Rolfe, without Fabiana Spindola, without Luis Silva. And, yeah, it was it was slow of mind, slow of play, slow of everything. I would I would disagree that there was no inventiveness because we saw Facunda Coria come in and yeah. the first few things he was trying to do was um, sort of faint to the outside and then look in and he was trying to slot people into the box. Um, he was trying to play through balls, which is a, a rarity for anyone with DC United. He had a great um, through ball that Arietta was offside to receive. Right, there was one that was offside. There was one that Arietta. Um, he just had, there were too many people around him, and he couldn't quite control it and spin towards goal. Yeah, but, um, there was another moment where Coria faked the through ball and just took two guys on the dribble and got into the box right. that way. Um, so so there, was a, there was that one element. Obviously, it wasn't good enough for the whole team. Um, and certainly, finding somebody who's able to play the ball that would set up the final ball... Uh, is, is it's important, but it doesn't necessarily give you a good final ball, which is maybe why we ended up with so many Kemp crosses because no one else was playing um, a ball into the box that was any good um, or that wasn't requiring a little too much of the player receiving it. But uh, on a team that is missing Espindola and Rolf, um, which we heard today Rolf won't be in Portland, um, and is missing Luis Silva, Nick DeLeon won't be in Portland either, um, someone like Correa all of a sudden uh, is kind of he's kind of the only player like that on the entire roster. Um, give or take, um, if Colin Martin is fit enough to actually play, um, he's been called in. Uh, but Ben, Ben, correct me if I'm wrong. Has he not? Has he played a single minute for the kickers since he returned from injury? No, he hasn't. He, I mean, he, he, hasn't, he hasn't. Re- he hasn't returned from injury at right. all, as far um, as I can tell. So he's in um, training. That's about it. Right, so he's going to be an emergency option off the bench, if, I think, and nothing more. If Martin more. were to play, I would expect no more than ten minutes. So, yeah, and I mean, it makes me really sad because this would be a perfect opportunity for Martin to play that uh, just underneath the striker role that I, I would, at least, I would like to see him play. He's not a winger, uh, and um, but we're not going to be able to see that because he doesn't have the fitness. So that's very sad. Yeah, let's come back to one more point about 
this game in New England before we move on to Portland fully. And, and it, it, we've been talking about these guys for the last few minutes. Um, and that, that's the subs in the game. All three of them had an impact, all three combined, for United's one goal. Uh, it was Coria that sprung Kemp, who sent in the cross to Arietta. Um, and this set up, you know, some some interesting uh, positional battles going going forward. We have Corb versus Kemp, which has been uh, a positional battle going for for a few weeks now. Um, Corb better on the defensive side, uh, and and a little bit quicker uh, on his feet, whereas Kemp is much better going forward and has that left foot that's just been I don't know kissed by God or something. Um, up front, there's a battle between Doyle and Arietta. Arietta, I think should have the inside edge. It's just he's so much more effective coming off the bench than he is starting a game that maybe it's worth starting Doyle just to force Arietta to come off the bench. I don't know. I don't know if that's right. Um, maybe we start Pontius up top and Coria out left if he's got enough fitness. Um, and, and Coria, his positional battle is with low expectations because he came in having signed out of the blue off of a trial and... Nobody expected anything of him, and he actually provided some, uh, a little bit of a cutting edge against New England. So we'll see what he can give us going forward. Uh, Jason, what do you think? Who would you pick, I guess, out of those the first two positional battles? I think we would all take Coria over low expectations. I don't think that's a, a real battle except in name only. Um, Corbin Kemp versus, and, and, and Doyle and Arietta, out of those two pairings, who, who would you prefer for this weekend or this midweek against Portland? Um, I guess with the first, I, I guess I'll settle the easiest one first. I would take Arietta. Um, not that he's been great when he's had to start games, but um, Doyle really struggled against the Revs. Um, a lot of, a lot of attacks died um, either with the thing was his first touch wasn't one of the, it, it wasn't one of those where it's obviously bad to, you know, you could put a kid down in front of there and they, Oh, that was bad. Um, he would just, it would just be off by enough that he would have to slow down and take a second touch to make the next pass, or he'd have to shift his body to make the next pass. Um, and his passing itself was, was off as well. There was a lot of, um, the, the attack would slow down when it would come to him. And then the pass that followed would slow things down even more. Um, I, I feel like Arietta um, has done okay, um, as a starter. He just doesn't get into the box often enough, um, as opposed to, I, it's weird when he starts games, he tends to run offside more, um, whereas when he comes in as a sub, he seems to find his way to not going offside as, at as high a percentage, I guess, and he gets into the box more often. Maybe um, it's similar to the the old adage, running at tired legs. It's just he's running at the assistant referee's tired legs, and they're just or tired arm, and so the AR is just less likely to spot it or flag it. It, it could <laughs> be any number of things. I don't know what's up. Uh, just kind of a making up, weird. making yeah. up nonsense theories since whenever we started this show. Right. Um, but uh, the, the second or the the first positional battle, the, the left-back battle is more complicated because some element of good service coming from somewhere, and Kemp can provide that. On the other hand, given the lineup that it's going to be on the field, United's going to be doing a lot of defending, which means that Corb's ability to defend is going to come up more often. Um, it wouldn't entirely surprise me to see Kemp being brought in as a sub again, um, mm -hmm. with the idea being 
let's grind this game out to 0-0 for an hour and then bring in Kemp and um, see if you can snatch it at that point. Um, obviously, that's sort of a, it's a gamble in and of itself, but with the lineup, the, the players that are going to be available, it's all sort of a gamble. Um, for all we know, Sean Franklin will be rested for, uh, you know, he'll be sitting on the subs bench, Corb will be at right back, and, and this won't even be a possible um, issue. Um, because that's another player that in Franklin that's going to have to take a take a break at some point. You can't play him back to back to back. So I, I don't. I guess for this one, with the fact that Diego Valeri is out, which means Darlington Nagby is going to be brought into the middle, it actually kind of invites um, having to use Corb because the most likely replacement there. I mean, Nagby's probably going to play in the middle because Gaston Fernandez isn't very good, it turns out. Um, but uh, the most likely replacement, if, at least if I were Caleb Porter, what I would do is I would move Nagby into the middle and play uh, Dairon Espria, who's a much more direct uh, winger style. He's, he's not trying to cut inside all the time. He's trying to run at his man. Um, and he sort of provokes more one-on-one defending, which kind of forces you to go with Corb because we know that Camp, when he gets isolated one-on-one, tends to sort of not see it coming, and he's not really prepared to be in a right a good defensive spot, and players can just sort of go right past him into the space uh, behind him and, and out towards the uh, touchline because he's not necessarily as alert. So I guess you kind of have to go with Corb, um, and then, you know, we this is a kind of game where we're so short, Kemp could even play, like, left midfield. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be a weird lineup. Um, yeah, rest the, the idea that Nagby could move inside actually almost makes me want to see Kemp out there instead of Corb. Um, if if Darlington Nagby was going to be on the outside, there, there's almost no way I would want to see Kemp out there against him just because Nagby can go one-on-one, he can combine. He's he's When he's on his game, he's a little bit like we've said Fabiana Spindle is, where he's going to, to find his mark for the night and just keep victimizing him. And and that, that would be... That hasn't happened that much this year, though. Yeah, that's true. Luckily, um, that hasn't happened. That said, yeah. for some reason, the, there are a few guys who have a tendency to just... Where, where DC United is a team that has a tendency to help guys find their form when they haven't been performing, and then they shut down guys who have been performing. It's a weird... Uh, sort of regression to the mean that this team just carries with it wherever it goes. Um, but if Nagby's not going to be there and it's, I don't know, it's its a tough choice, like you said. So you mentioned that that uh, Valeri's not going to be out there. How does Caleb Porter cope with that? What does he uh, do? Because uh, Valeri is their, he's their linchpin. He's what makes their attack yeah. work. Um, and there's a reason why they were not really doing very well and they were playing much more direct uh, soccer than, than their supposed reputation would uh, indicate. Um, it was because they tried to play the the Porter ball, quote-unquote, without Valeria, and it didn't work. Um, Nagby, Nagby doesn't have the selfishness that is needed in that position. He's He's still looking to connect with too many passes and combined with too many people, and, and he doesn't take on the mantle of being the star of the show, um, which is ma- the main thing holding him back in his career, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Valeri knows that that's part of the job and, and does that, and we saw 
uh, I believe his second appearance since coming back involved him scoring a pretty ridiculous goal uh, and generally being um, demanding the ball and, and and really obviously running things. It was there was no question as to who was in charge for Portland on the field. Um, I do wonder if if without him, if they default to the more direct approach. Um, with Fernando Adi, they have a target man that can is capable of, of being that kind of player. Um, they even played some 4-4-2 uh, earlier in the season. Um, so the possibility of them just not even bothering with a number 10 and uh, bringing in Maxi Aruti or even playing Gaston Fernandez as a second forward instead of as a, as a midfielder, um, those things are all possible. Um, I do think regardless of the formation cho- choice, they will be more direct. Um, that they managed to not lose some games by playing that way. And I think, um, I, I know I've read several times that apparently Merritt Paulson is 100% behind Porter and he's not necessarily, he doesn't have the itchy trigger, trigger finger that you might think from reading uh, his tweets. Um, oh, fine. Because, Preempt my question for Ben oh, about sorry. whether Caleb's Porter seat is starting to warm up a little bit. Thank you, Jason, but, for that. Yeah. They've been a little better of late, so um, I, I, I'm guessing that the direct play uh, still comes up because Portland isn't really winning it often enough where they can feel like um, they can adapt to the loss of Valeri. I think they were really enjoying having him around, and now that they've lost him, that that's kind of a it's a it's a tough thing for a team to overcome mentally, and that might lead them to taking a more safety first approach, which would mean the more direct style of play though they might be mentally, it might sort of balance out because the loss of Valeri may be balanced out by the return of Will Johnson. Not that it makes up for the attacking play, but mentally it might um, keep the player's spirits where they were rather than having them drop off um, because Johnson broke his leg last year and has been out for months and months. Um, I, apparently they plan on using him in one game this week, but they have not indicated whether it will be Wednesday or on the weekend. Uh, I, I have a hunch that it will be Wednesday, though, um, just knowing that it's a home game for them. Uh, they just lost Valeri. They could use some sort of spark. Um, not Obviously not an attacking spark. Johnson's uh, much more of a Davy Arnaud type than a, a, mm-hmm. a Valeri. But... Um, yeah, I think Porter's going to gamble on the, the team spirit that will come with bringing their team captain back um, for that. But, but I, I don't think that's going to have to be a little more direct than we've seen, or that, that I shouldn't say that we've seen, that we expect. out of Portland's not supposed to be direct. Um, they're supposed to play uh, beautiful champagne soccer that everyone loves forever, regardless of what you actually might see when you watch them play. Um, but I think they're going yeah, to be Especially against... No, especially against United, they've played more direct in the past as well, uh, knowing yeah, that um, DC United's going to clog the middle and and make it hard to play through them. Well, I think I think that that the 2013 game at home, I think they knew that they could just sort of lump the ball forward and wait for a mistake, uh, which is mm-hmm. exactly what happened on both goals, and they won yeah. two nothing. Um, That's true. That was that was more of a. Um, it was pragmatic in a different way. It was like, these guys are going to lose to us if we play this way, and we won't have to do as much running, so let's just do this. Um, incidentally, uh, and this is going a little off off uh, the reservation, big surprise. Um, you? I saw, yeah. Um, I saw a tweet from uh, the guys at Hudson River Blue, uh, the NYCFC blog, and they said that they felt that their current form was worse than 2013 DC United, and I... I 
would indicate that, with all due respect, that is not true. They are not down there yet. They don't. They don't even know what suffering is yet. Is is mm-hmm. what I'm getting at. Um, but anyway, these expansion teams come in and think they invent winning. They think they invent losing. I hate all of the expansion I mean, teams. Really, no, they're really bad. I mean, don't get me wrong. They are very bad. Um, and they're painful to watch in their own way because they keep a lot of the ball and then they don't do anything with it. But um, I mean, know, that is like 2013 DC United. <laughs> well, that was, but that was more of a game state team. Um, yeah, that's up, true. You know, concede first and then get all the ball because the other team knows they can sit back and and there will never be a threat. Um, but anyway, um, Portland, uh, I, I think we'll see a little more of a um, an attack down the wings as well, not just more direct, but also trying to get the ball out, whether it's you know, I don't know how many players they're planning on rotating because they have a game as well. So it might be Rodney Wallace sitting out. Um, it might be Jorge Villafania getting a rest. But somebody down the left is going to be getting a lot of the ball, I suspect, whether it's those two, um, whether they bring in um, – who's the – I've forgotten the guy's name now. Um, what am I thinking of? Um, Jay Anderson, the Brazilian that they brought in in the offseason, they said he was going to be a, a regular player, and he's barely appeared at all. Did you just make him up because it sounds like your name? No, no. I, I think I might have mispronounced it because it's Portuguese and I don't speak Portuguese. Um, but uh, he is a real human. I've seen him, but he's only played like twice. <laughs> um, and and he could play left back or as a winger. So they've got a few options. Espria, um, who I mentioned before, has played on both flanks, so he's much more of a right-sided player. Um, Michael Nanchoff. They could actually. If they really wanted to throw a curveball, they would keep playing possession soccer but bring in Nanchoff for Valeri, but um, I strongly doubt that's going to happen. All right, so one last thing to talk about at the Timbers, and it's really more of a broader MLS point, and I guess even though we are fans of an Eastern Conference team, it, it does bear mentioning that the Timbers, 13 points through 12 games, uh, would just about get them a into playoff position in the Eastern Conference, whereas they currently have the worst points-per-game average in the West, all of the West. They have a worse points-per-game than the Rapids right now, but they'd be ahead of seventh-place Philly in the East. Just throwing it out there, it's a sad, sad thing about the the conferences this year. And yet, this past weekend, all of the terrible teams all managed to win games, and all and all of the teams at the top, not just us, but everyone, uh, slipped up. Yeah, and uh, one of those it terrible, was an extraordinarily MLS weekend. Yeah, one of those terrible teams is the Philadelphia Union, who are riding a two-game winning streak into uh, this week. Uh, I don't know if they have a midweek game. Um, if not, it means that. They will be riding that two-game winning streak. All right, so they're gonna they're gonna be riding that two-game winning streak into RFK Stadium on Saturday to play DC United, 7 p.m. on Comcast Sportsnet and MLS Live. But why would you watch it on TV when you can come to the game and not just come to the game, but you can come tailgate with us? I said I would mention this earlier, uh, and and we're gonna be nice and we're gonna let Ben come too because he's been good during this podcast. Um, that night's gonna be a good, nope, good night. Nope. Ben is not going to be there after all, guys. It turns out he had something come up. He had a conflict. He couldn't come. His, his lovely wife 
will be there. We'll 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 have fun with her. Um, we'll ask her ben, why Ben is ben singing has Black Eyed Peas songs on this podcast, <laughs> and she'll just be like, I don't know. Yeah, I just be like, I can't answer for that. I don't know. She'll just be like, Yeah, I left him at home too. Yeah, <laughs> you were right not to invite incredible. him. Uh, Check out our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash blackandredunited. Um, there's an event on there. You can RSVP to the event, and we'll know, know you're coming. So I'm going to throw a little curveball right now. Ben, what are you bringing to the tailgate? Ooh, I don't know yet. It's probably it, going to be a Virginia beer because I am Virginia incarnate. Um, remember, this is a potluck. It's BYOB. You can yes. share your beer. Uh, yes. But but any snacks that you don't want to buy from the food truck are going to be potluck yes. style. So bring snacks. Yes, my lovely wife also wants to bring some snacks as well. So we'll be bringing some snacks too. I don't know what they are yet, but they'll be delicious regardless. Jason, what are you bringing? I haven't given it very much thought. <laughs> <laughs> so, some kind of food Fine. because I don't just want to drink and that's it. Um, but I, I don't Fine. know. I'll carry the segment. I am bringing cronuts. Yeah. You're welcome, listeners. If you don't get there early, they'll all be eaten by me before you get there. So get there on time. Wait, you're going to you're going to cross the the space and time boundaries. This this would involve for you to eat them before Adam arrives. No, just yeah. when Adam gets there, I will. Eat oh, them. oh, you're talking to the viewers. I thought you were talking to Adam specifically. <laughs> no, you're saying you're going to eat. All of his cronuts before he arrives. He's going to sneak into my house while, I mean, while my kid be. is napping before I'm, we leave for the game and, and I, steal all the cronuts. I might I'll come time. downstairs and say, why are the cronuts gone? I might be a time lord. You don't know. <laughs> anyway. You, do you see the cronuts? Leave like a, some sort of note that we can at least laugh at later. Oh, Don't yeah, just steal them. I mean, make it, make it fun. No, 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 I'll have a calling card. I'll be like the wet bandits. There Please don't clog up my sink, dude. Ex- yeah, yeah, no, except without the property damage. You're just going to leave a post-it <laughs> note on the cronut box saying the cronuts are a lie. Or I'll just say I'm the wet bandits. <laughs> In which case, I will have you and Joe Pesci arrested for breaking into my house. What if it's just Joe Pesci and not me? Then I'm going to be... I would prefer that, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, Ben, what, so the Philadelphia Union, for those of you who, who didn't see this weekend, not a uh, they, they, well, they beat the New York Red Bulls at Red Bull Arena two to nothing. Uh, they, they did, did not need a stoppage time winner, uh, to get this one. They beat United, obviously, last week with Zach Pfeffer's, uh, stoppage time goal and then went to Red Bull Arena and just won. Um, what do we have to do, Ben, to avoid uh, succumbing to past DC United and, and New York Red Bulls' fate against the Union and keeping them from winning their unfathomable third game in a row? I mean, at least for you, at least in United's case, it does help that they're at home this coming weekend. Uh, they've played much better at home this year than they have on the road. Um, they'll have Chris Rolf back again. Uh, they may have Nick DeLeon, at least on the bench, this coming weekend, and that will be a uh, wonderful delight as well. Um, but overall, they just have to play like we know they can play. They played crappy soccer against the Union 
uh, in when they traveled up to Chester, and they should play good soccer, and they should win because the Union really aren't that good, despite their wins against the Red Bulls. Uh, I mean, yes, sure, they're getting better, but this is a team that DC United should be able to handle, especially at home, and um, it's gonna it's gonna surprise me if they don't, and it's gonna. Like, you, you can write off these past couple of games as, as on the road in difficult situations, but if United isn't able to handle the Union at home, then that's a whole new level of, oh, wait, what's going on with this team? All right. Um, I don't really have much more to preview about uh, the Union because would... we just talked about them, and I'm tired of talking yeah. about them. This is the third straight week we've had to talk about them, and I don't like it, Jason. But... Can, I will note that right before we came on, I saw that um, their goalkeeper issue is still going to be potentially confusing. Um, the Carolina Railhawks have uh, recalled uh, Brian Silvestri for the... Uh, and then they plan, on, they plan on sending him back for the game on Saturday. But How often he still, does a USL team recall an on-loan MLS player? Yeah, I, I don't just, even know. That just adds so point. much flavor to um, to the union's ridiculous situation. The, the funny thing is, apparently, um, this goes back to uh, NYCFC again. Part of <laughs> the deal is that Carolina, Carolina acquired a, a backup from New York on loan because Silvestri was gone, and but New York said you can't use him in the Open Cup. This is part of the contract, and so they found themselves without a goalkeeper, and so they re, they're going to recall. Uh, their on-loan goalkeeper from Philadelphia, who, if he picks up an injury, the Union will be back to having one healthy goalkeeper again. Um, and then I guess during throughout the Open Cup, as long as Carolina stays alive, Sylvester will be flying down to play with them, and he won't be able to play for the Union in any of their Open Cup games. Um, so it, it just it never ends. Uh, it never. If you're a if you're a goalkeeper right now, you should, in all honesty, send like your sizzle reel to the Philadelphia Union and see if they'll sign you up. I think they might not even need a sizzle reel. If you just say, I'm a goalkeeper, I promise. I have gloves. You can probably at least get a... It's the, that's well, the standard yeah. that most indoor leagues meet. Uh, if, if someone shows up and they've never played for your team, but they have goalkeeper gloves and say that they play goalkeeper, you just put them back there because no one else wants to. Um, that's pretty much the standard at this point for the Union. Like, fine, just go back there. We'll trust you. Yeah, meanwhile, Raisin Bully is on a field at, like, UPenn or something, just apparently working out with somebody, but not the rest of the team. Some dude. Yeah. How much How much money could we get to trade Travis Wara to the Union? Uh, I, I want to keep really goalkeepers away from that just because I feel like it could end up, like, it's like a black hole and it might pull us in. And, I mean, that would be a human rights violation to trade a goalkeeper to the Philadelphia Union as well. True. That's true. We don't want to be a part of that. Uh, related, they just signed a Qatari international goalkeeper. Hmm. Too soon? Yeah. Uh, what, if I, what if I had said Nepalese international? Would that, have been, would that have been better or worse? I think worse. I think worse. Oh, it was obviously worse. <laughs> Clearly worse. Poirot uh, Taylor. I, I, I earned that one. Um, ben, what else for this weekend or, or this week do we need to cover before we 
get out of here? Uh, I don't know. I think we're good. Um, the Richmond Kickers are taking on the Jacksonville Armada in the Open Cup on Wednesday as well. USL versus right. NASL. So, you, so I will be at the Richmond Kickers game, so you should follow along on that before the uh, DC United game because it'll be done before DCU After Dark starts. I, I'd also I, I'd invite people uh, during that game also to go on YouTube and uh, search Kids in the Hall Armada and watch those skits and then never be able to think about the Jacksonville Armada without laughing at them. <laughs> I mean, and not just for being in South Georgia. Or, and also just not right. for being in the NASL, because the NASL is a ridiculous enterprise. And somehow tries to get more ridiculous with every passing day. Yeah. Um, Hashtag Miami. <laughs> Miami FC. Creatively named Miami FC. They should have just named it the Miami Fusion for all the failure that that name engenders. They that That's assuming that they had thought about I, it before they I announced that, it. That name has been copyright protected, hasn't it? Trademark. Yeah, I'm, so there was I'm, sort of, I'm sure yeah. MLS has given up the Miami Fusion. No, but somebody, somebody else got it, is the thing. It, no, I that's think possible. MLS reapplied for it. Oh. Actually. MLS, when, what are you when, doing? When there were rumors, uh, when the Miami rumors started heating up years ago, I think they... Why would they anyone up- want the Miami Fusion trademark? Because the the alternative is to name them Miami Beckham United. <laughs> though though I do think that David Beckham, if he if he actually succeeds in getting a team there, which I I give a chances of like at like five percent uh, of that ever actually happening, yeah. I think he should make the team's badge a picture of him, uh, <laughs> and their uniform should be whatever color he likes that year, whatever he in or whatever. Maybe he checks with uh, his wife and she tells yeah, him Vic- what's a fashionable yeah. color. And Victoria says, Beckham will design the uniforms yes. every year. They, they should make it the most absurd vanity project in soccer history. They should go all out, is what I'm saying. Otherwise, I'm just going to be irritated that he's back again because I never liked him in the first place. Um, but at least make it, you know, make give me something to laugh at, Beckham, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> so, would you support Beckham hiring uh, Nick Sakavitz? <laughs> to run? Oh, that would, yes, that would be awesome. <laughs> that is something um, you would support. Though, on the other hand, that, that would leave Philadelphia with some odds of not being uh, horrifically run. And, and knowing forever that they will continue to be horrifically run, because that's um, Sagan's pattern over the years, is that he's the guy in MLS that, even with parity, even with MLS doing everything it can to force you into goodness at some point, uh, he's the guy that manages to slip slip out of that and stay at the bottom. Can uh, slip can somehow Nick Sakevich and Kevin Payne be co-presidents of Miami Beckham FC? If anything was a Thunderdome, <laughs> it would be Kevin, the two of those men in the same organization. Kevin Payne will be the uh, president in charge of uh, finding the stadium. Yeah, that 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 makes perfect sense <laughs> with the analogy we're drawing here. Yes. <laughs> He will be entirely successful in the way that Nick Sakevich is entirely successful with his on-the-field product. Uh, that's it for this week, you guys. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to come out to our tailgate Saturday, May 30th, RFK Stadium. Kickoff is 7 p.m., which means parking lots open at 3 p.m. We'll be out there at some point. Uh, I'll be there at 3. 
Ben will be there at three, begging us to let him under the tent. Um, and if he if he doesn't stop singing a particular band songs, it'll then, be a thunderdome. Then yes, it will be an open air thunderdome in lot eight. Find us at blackandredunited.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast at blackandredu for the website. Send your email, whether it be uh, love letters, hate mail, or advertising inquiries. Send them to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. Uh, I would say tell a friend about the show, but you're not going to be hanging out with people who don't already know about the show because you're going to be at the tailgate with us. So you're off the hook for word of mouth this week. Just come to the tailgate. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam. We will talk to you Saturday at the tailgate. Say goodbye, Jason. Goodbye, Jason. Goodbye, Jason.